0: Keep it open to Genesis twenty-one. I feel like I need to start this with a with just a generic, a uh, wide-reaching apology for a few of the uh, demographic in our church that may have been offended last Sunday morning as we were talking about uh, eighty-five-year-old women and up, or seventy-five or whatever number I put on that. I received more flack from that than anything I have said in a very long time. And uh, so, if you're looking for uh, an interesting you ever, watch, you ever watch those videos on YouTube and you watch other people do dumb stuff and you wonder, why am I finding so much enjoyment? And you realize because it's not me. That's why if you're looking for something like that. Listen to last Sunday's sermon and uh, you can enjoy someone else uh, being in trouble, not yourself. But uh, we will pick up where we where we uh, left off in Genesis with this birth of Isaac. We have been waiting for this moment. Uh, Not as long as Abraham and Sarah have. They've been waiting for 25 years for this moment. But now we have been waiting for since the beginning of January uh, for this uh, day to come. We have been everything we've read from Genesis 12 through 20 have led up to this moment Have led up to the birth of Isaac when the promised child would be born. Just to kind of catch you up to speed uh, with uh, where, where we are with this. Remember, Abraham was 75 years old. When God came to him and said, "You're going to have a son that mean and his wife was ten years younger than he was, so Abraham was seventy five and she was sixty five and there's not a woman alive at sixty five who is thinking about having another baby uh, there then even in this time when they would have uh, lots of children when uh, I was explaining my mother was visiting uh, this last week and I was explaining her a little bit about the 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 history of of Sherman and the limited history that I understand. And, and back in the day it was it was common for families to have you know lots and lots of kids. Uh, raise your hand if you come from a family that had uh, you had at least 4 or 5 brothers or sisters. Would you raise your hand. Yeah, look at that around. And we ask like how many of you still have 4 or 5? Not as many of us because uh we, we 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 just don't do that anymore. Uh now we look at people with well, I won't say what we look at them with. But uh you know, two kids is kind of normal now, but back in those days when they had a lot of kids 65 was still an age that you know, like no, you don't. That's not. We're not even thinking about that anymore. It's they they would live for a long time, but that the women were they were done with that. They weren't thinking about that. They're thinking about other things. But God said, "Hey, you're gonna You're gonna have a son." Sarah didn't necessarily know that it was her. We know that uh, from what what we've read already that Sarah didn't realize that it that she was going to be a part of this promise until very recent uh, days. But Sarah is excited, a little bit bewildered, a little bit confused, as was Abraham, as would you and I, uh, trying to figure out how a 65-year-old woman and a 75-year-old man are going to have a baby. And more than that, what are we going to do with this baby? Because we're 75. I mean, any 75-year-olds, you get, you know, worn out just babysitting your grandkids? You know? uh, I've talked to some, some grandparents, and like, I love them for a time, and I love to send them back home. And it's just, it's just the energy level is probably not there to take care of a little two year old running around, running around the house. And 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 here's here's Abraham and Sarah living life, trying to do what God wants them to do. And then God comes and really just shakes up their whole world with the promise of a baby. And we saw some mistakes and we saw some ups and downs and some hills and valleys and some very embarrassing moments for Abraham along the way and some very uh, proud moments where we can read it and be proud with Abraham. Hey, you stood firm. You you were strong. That was a good decision that you made there. And I can't believe you did that. That was awesome. It was great. And other times we read about Abraham and we think, I can't believe you did that. That was that was, that was was dumb. That was stupid. Genesis 20 was most recent uh, in lying about who his wife was and, and all of these things and causing problems for other people. All of that has been leading up to Genesis 21, verse number one. You really... This is kind of just the new beginning, because uh, from this birth, from this boy, from this child, uh, a nation would come, but it was kind of like all of everything up to 21 was a prequel to verse 1, and now, boom, we've got uh, the beginning of the story, beginning of this of this brand new narrative. As I was reading through this, I uh, just recently had decided I wanted to just stop at the first uh, Seven verses. I was actually going to try to get through about half of the chapter, and I kept stopping uh, in these first seven verses, and, and just felt like there's so much there's so much anticipation that we don't want to just rush over the fact that Isaac was born. I mean, we, we can go, okay, Isaac was born. Next thing, what happened next? Where's the action? Where's the where's the uh, the drama? Where's the anticipation? Where's it all led up to this? But when we stop and we think about what happened, this. Is incredible this was amazing as we read in the first verse there as it was it was said twice I as I was, I was listening to this I was listening to an audio version of this just to try to hear it a little bit more and these phrases kept popping out as we read in verse number one and the Lord visited Sarah, Sarah as he had said and it goes on and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken the next verse for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken. Three times, the the same thing is said in a slightly different way. God did what He said, and God did it as He said, and God did it when He said. But it all had to do with what God said. John Calvin said, There is a great emphasis in this repetition the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. For He thus retains His readers, talking about, uh, the writer Moses, he retains his readers as by laying his hand upon them that they may pause in their consideration of so great a miracle. And that's what I kept finding myself doing, stopping and and just trying to absorb the fact that what just happened here, this is a miracle. That a baby is born, yes, but that this baby was born and to these parents. And so this morning, we're looking at God's promise, but realizing God's promise when it finally Hums to fruition when we finally have you ever waited for something and finally got it christmas is the thing for me because it happens every year we anticipate christmas right right now maybe not so much but around uh when it, when, it, when the, the weather starts to cool off a little bit and then the the, the leaves are gone and and the, then the first snow and then we're like okay christmas is what makes it all worthwhile right the snow the cold weather there's going to be Christmas. That's why I can deal with I can deal with six feet of snow up until December 25th. In January, and eh, that's fine. I, there's nothing. Why? What's the point of it? In February, uh, March, April, uh, May, whenever, whenever the snow. I mean, the snow kept coming, right? Uh, but up until that point, I'm like, yeah, this just adds to it. I lived in Washington almost all my life. I don't remember ever having a white Christmas. You know, we'd sing that song. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Never knew what that was, except for the, what the movie told me about. And if there ever was snow right around Christmas, it was about this much, and it was gone before Christmas actually came. And so we were excited we moved here. White Christmas is going to be a white Christmas. And I don't think the first, Sunday, the first Christmas wasn't a white Christmas. I drove, we were in Bemis, and people were out golfing on Christmas Eve. And I thought, I thought this was the snow belt. I mean, what happened here? You know, they're, they're just pulling my leg. No, you weren't kidding. There's snow. Uh, it was just a little fluke, and I think the Lord was letting us down easy, uh, that, uh, hey, this is what's gonna be, cause, you know, this last year was, was definitely a lot. But with Christmas, we are anticipating the event, right? We're anticipating, whatever your, whatever your, uh, your traditions are on Christmas, you're anticipating those things. You know what's gonna happen. Maybe it's a, a get together with the family. Maybe all the kids are gonna be in town, or, or you're gonna go somewhere and be with family. Uh, maybe, uh, it's a gift. That you're going to give, right? Because we're not we're not so shallow as to dwell on what we're going to get. I mean, that's that's what I do. But that, what, what, we get, you know, I'm going to give this gift. I'm going to sing the songs. I'm going to have we have our special cantatas and our, our our Christmas gatherings and the Christmas cantata, our music that we sing and the Christmas church services and and the parties and all of these things. And we anticipate all of them. Have you ever stopped in the middle of it? And said, This is what I've been waiting for. You ever done that? And you go a step further and say, Is this measuring up to what I had been waiting, what I had been building up in my mind? Does this measure up to what I had hoped it would be one day? Now, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. But I imagine this is Sarah and Abraham. Finally, it's been building up. God is the author of suspense. 25 years in the making of this promise, you're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby? When? I'm not telling you. If he told them it would be 25 years, it probably still wouldn't have been easy to to deal with. But 25 years ago, he came and said, you're going to have a baby. And only about four times did God come to them in the middle of those 25 years and say, hey, I'm still going to keep my word. You're still going to have a baby. It's still going to happen. All of that anticipation And just a chapter ago or two chapters ago, God had finally come and put the he started the clock and said, this time next year you're going to have a baby and then as the as the the normal stages of of a pregnancy go through and Sarah and Abraham realized this is real this is happening this is not a joke I mean this is not a a guy was not speaking metaphorically this is not a um you know we have to there's a, some spiritual lesson behind it this is going to happen Abraham you're an old man she's looking at him going you're hundred years old you're going to be a dad Uh, He says, Sarah, you ain't so young yourself. You're going to be a mom. I mean, you're a beautiful woman for 90 years old. I mean, you're so attractive and and, and just lovely and and gorgeous. And I don't don't understand how I'm so lucky to be with you, but you're going to be a mom. Are you ready for this? Do you remember looking at your wife, your husband, when you found out you were going to have a baby? That first one, that was really the only one we were excited about, right? And, uh, we were excited about the first one, and we were like, oh, another one? Yeah, okay. You uh, know, we were excited for them, right? And maybe the way that, maybe, uh, dads, you were surprised. Maybe it was a, a big to do. I know right now there's a, it's a kind of a trend to, to do this, the gender reveal, and we're gonna, it's gonna be pink or blue or, or whatever. Uh, but, uh, we, I wanted to know right away, it's gonna be a boy, right? I decided we're only having boys. That was just how I decided. When we have kids, we're having boys. I don't want any girls. I want boys, because boys are easier, I thought. And, uh, I just decided, and I was two for two, and I said, "All right, that's it. I'm not pushing my luck." And so uh, we 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 were ready. My, my wife came in and said, "We're having a baby." All right. First questions going through mind: Am I ready for this? Can I do this? I mean, I've already done it, so I don't know if I. I mean, but I, I hope I can do this. I'm already. It's already going to happen. I better better make sure. I better read a book. I better. I better find out how to be a dad here. I wonder if all these things are going through Abraham and Sarah's mind. Are we ready for this? Can we handle this? Do we have everything we need? Going through the nursery and and setting it all up and getting all of the things. that They had to need a a car seat for the camel or they needed the, the, the crib for the tent or all the things that would have been necessary for Abraham and Sarah's new baby. And it finally comes. As God said. As He had spoken. And at the said time of which God had spoken. I want to look at just three things about this promise real quickly. As we look at God's promise, number one, God's promise was fulfilled. We saw that in those phrases, as he said, as he spoke. Basically, it was as God promised. So it was, you know, God never makes empty promises. We think about in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11 uh, in the hall of faith. We, uh, we sometimes call it when it speaks of Sarah. Verse 11 says through faith, also Sarah herself received strength conceived seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. She judged God faithful in His promise. God never makes empty promises. As we read His Word and we read the promises that God makes, we can know that God keeps His Word. And as Sarah and Abraham are holding this brand new baby in their arms, they realize God always keeps His Word. If God says it, it's going to happen, and and any human baby that is born, the, the the whole the whole process of a baby coming into the world is a miracle, right? I mean it it is not it is not so so trivial as we sent in an order, the stork flew it in. I mean that would be amazing, but the way that the baby actually comes into existence is just incredible. But think with me, how much more incredible it was. For Isaac to be born. Normally, a baby is born a completely regular or what we call a normal pregnancy from a, a healthy mom and a healthy dad. And, 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 and nine months later, here's the baby and it's healthy. And, and all the, and all, you know, all the, we go through all the tests and we run through all the things. We think, yes, this is the miracle of human, of human life. It's, it's a wonder. But think with me for a moment how much more miraculous it would be for a 100 year old man and a 90 year old woman. To have a baby, a normal pregnancy, except for that it wasn't normal, was it? Paul describes it in Romans chapter four, and if you want to turn there with me, I want to show you what Paul says about uh, this this uh, the details surrounding Isaac's birth. I think we have these these verses for the screen. If you want to just look on the screen now, Paul is in writing in Romans chapter four. He's talking about uh, how righteousness comes by faith. But in this, he's going to to talk about how Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. But in that, he kind of uh, goes back to this story in Genesis 21 and talks about the details and what makes this birth so miraculous. I put a few of the phrases on there when I read it here. He talks about in verse number 17, uh, before him him, whom he believed, even God, notice God, who quickeneth the dead. The word quicken there means to make alive. So God makes... The dead things become alive and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God calls things into existence that did not ever exist, that we call that creation. And God said, let there be light. There was no light. And then he made light. He didn't make something from something. He made something from nothing. And God says, "I I call things which be not as though they were. He goes on. Speaking of Moses in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, this is Abraham again, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Now God is saying through Paul, and Paul is saying Abraham was pretty much dead. He was 100 years old. Now that's not a very tactful thing to say to someone. To a hundred year old person, you're pretty much dead, aren't you? But that's what God says to Abraham. He was pretty much dead. Because God wants us to understand that Abraham was not this healthy, strong, uh, uh, 35 year old man or 25 year old man. He was a hundred. He was as good as dead. But notice it keeps going. Verse number, uh, uh verse number 19 keeps going. It says, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So not only do we have a dead man, or nearly dead man, but we also have a dead womb. The woman uh, was was not healthy, young, and and, and, and vibrant either. She was just as incapable of bearing a child as was Abraham. Yet, we see a baby come. It goes on, it says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. We see that again from Abraham. What God promised, he was fully persuaded God would perform what he had promised. We see that this is an incredible birth, a miraculous birth. I read again, a Calvin says of Genesis 21, this passage magnifies the power of God as well as his faithfulness to his promise. It was God's grace that brought about that event as well as the raising of spiritual children to Abraham of which the birth of this son was typical. Just as miraculous as a normal baby is born, even more so was the miracle of Isaac's birth and even more so is the miracle of the new birth, the spiritual birth. Think about it. Think about the similarities there. Life given to the dead. That's how we were saved. We were dead in trespasses and sins. I want to read Ephesians 2 as Paul talks about our our salvation here. In Ephesians 2, in verse number 1, he says, And you hath he quickened. Again, that word quickened there means to make alive. He hath He hath quickened us or made us alive. Who were dead? We were dead. God made us alive. Just like Isaac, new life came from that which was dead. Verse number four, he goes on, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. I'm going to skip down to verse number number uh, number nine or eight, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. so not only is our salvation Uh, life from death, but it's also not of our own doing, but completely by the power and grace of God. We see that with Isaac's birth. Uh, Abraham and Sarah could not have done this on their own. They wanted a child. This was the reproach that Sarah had lived with her entire life. I'm, I'm childless. I can't, I can't have children. All of these women around me. It doesn't matter how much money I have and how much power my, my husband has. I can't have children. And that was a reproach above all reproach. It made Sarah feel lower than low, I'm sure. And now, uh, that she's going to have a son. She didn't, make that happen. Abraham didn't make that happen. Don't you think Abraham wanted Sarah to be able to have a baby? Don't you think that he and his wife wanted to be able to have a child together? And even in chapter 13, when they decided to to include Hagar in the promise and, and, and they messed things up, don't you think that they would have rather bypassed that altogether and said, we would like to have a child together? But they couldn't. And yet God came in and says, now that it's very obvious that you can't, I will. When it's way past what anyone would think that you could do, now I will step in and do what only I could do. That's our salvation. You can't do anything. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that, the word that points back to the faith. That faith is not even of your own. You're saved by grace that that wasn't from you. That was from God. You're saved by faith. You didn't even have the faith. That was given to you also. It was all completely done by God. Why? Lest any man should boast. There is no glory in what in my salvation, in what I did. It all goes to God. There, Abraham couldn't say, Look what I did. Sarah couldn't say, Look what I could do. It was God did this. This is incredible. I can't believe that we we are parents now. So we see that God's promise is fulfilled. We go back to Genesis 21 and we read. The second part is that God's promise is now obeyed. It says there in verse number 3 God called the name of his uh, Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. This is important. We go back to Genesis chapter 17. We're talking about the promise. I'm going to read Genesis 17 to you in verses uh, verse number 2. Uh, it's talking about the promise or the covenant that God made with Abraham. Verse number two, God says, I will make my covenant with, between me and thee. Verse number four, God says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Here's the covenant. That's the covenant. You're going to be a dad. He goes on in verse number seven. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. God is saying, I'm going to do this. This is incredible what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. I'm going to be your God. And your family is going to be my people. That's the covenant I'm making with you. But then he says in verse number 9, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore. This is your part. I just described what I'm going to do. Now this is your part. Thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And so we see the significance when we read in chapter 21 and verse 5 that Abraham circumcised his son Isaac. What's the big deal? I mean, don't all Jews do that? Yeah. Why? Because it was the sign of the covenant. And here Abraham is saying, God, you fulfilled your promise to me. Now I'm going to keep my side of the covenant. I'm going to do do as faithfully with my part as God has been with his part. And we see and we, we've, we've talked about uh, we've seen the significance of the circumcision and how that plays and even the spiritual aspects of that which we won't go into tonight, or this morning. But we see that Abraham obeyed his promise. Next, number three and the last. God's promise was remember. I love this. Verse number six. This is Sarah now. God hath made me to laugh so that all who hear me will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children's son? For I have borne him a son, in his old age. The reproach of a lifetime has finally been lifted, it's finally been removed. And Sarah, now holding her weak old baby, can you imagine, moms? Can you remember those those first few days when you realized I created a person, I made another person, and the the all of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the inconvenience you look at it that was totally worth it. you go but what happens is I remember doing it as a dad, thinking about all of the things in those nine months, thinking about all the ups and the doc all the ups and the downs, the doctor's appointments and the and the things and some of the scares Ooh, what's going to happen here? All of the, the, the going into this, kind of with your eyes closed, I have no idea what this is going to be like. Uh, that's, and that's Sarah remembering all of these things. But notice what she says. I like what she says. God has made me laugh. Two laughters here. Number one is the laughter of past unbelief. She laughed the first time she heard about Isaac. Abraham laughed the first time. That's why Isaac is named Isaac, because Isaac means he laughs. It means Laughter. And every time that Sarah would hold her baby, I imagine that she was looking into the eyes of a a son that reminded her of first her laughter of unbelief. When God said back in chapter chapter 18, you're going to have a son and it's going to be you that has the son. It's not going to be some surrogate. It's not going to be some adoption or anything like that. Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And Sarah laughed and said, am I going to really have a baby? I mean, she doubted God. And now she's, she's holding the promise fulfilled. She realizes God's promise, and she says, God has made me laugh. God got the last laugh, if you will. The laughter of unbelief. But also the laughter of present joy. And she realizes, this is what I've wanted most. And God has done for me what no one else, what I could not do for myself, God has done for me. He has blessed me. And she reminisces of these past events. Thinking about all the journey that has led them up to this point. The trip to Egypt, the mistakes with Hagar, the mistakes just recently in Gerar with Abimelech, the ups and downs, the visits from God, the angels, and, and all of these, the the just the road, the journey that took them to this point. And she's holding this baby in her in her arms and says, Who would have thought that I would have a son? I'm Sarah. I'm ninety. This is well beyond what anyone would have thought. Nobody would have thought that it would be me. Yet it is. And not only does she rejoice in the miracle of the birth, but she's rejoicing here specifically about her ability to nurse, to actually be a mother. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to enjoy every bit of motherhood that only was allowed. It only came because God. And I imagine Sarah's heart cries, God has been faithful to me even when I doubted Him, even when I wouldn't believe, and even when it seemed like it would be too difficult, even when it had seemed that God had good intentions but just came a little too late, He was just a little bit past time when anything could be done, God was still faithful because what God says, God does. The original Jewish reader at this time would have read this story and have learned of their unique beginnings rejoiced in God's favor to them as a people. As they read this and realize that we are special. We we came from a very special beginning. But Paul describes, I want to go back to Romans and read some verses to you because Paul describes in details the blessings that the Jewish nation would have enjoyed through this miracle, through this grace from God. It's Romans chapter 9 and verse number 4. If you want, I wrote it in there in your notes there, but if you want to Come back and read Romans chapter 9 and Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, there's, just, there's just a lot there that uh, we don't have time to, to, to dig apart this morning. But Romans chapter 9, Paul talks about the Israelites, the Jews. He says, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came? Who is over all? God bless forever. Amen. God specifically chose and miraculously blessed Abraham and his descendants by adopting them as his nation. Think about as he gave them his power and his presence and his protection as they left Egypt, as they wandered in the desert for 40 years and all the things that God did for them because they were his people. He made covenants with them. He provided insights into his glory. Remember, they would go to the tabernacle and they would actually see the presence of God over the Holy of Holies. They would see the, the, the bill, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They would see the mountain uh, look like it was on fire. They would see God is is there and with us. He didn't do that for just anybody. He did that for His people. He gave them His laws. He taught them how to truly worship God. He gave them multiple promises. And maybe most of all, He sent them Messiah through them and directly to them before the whole rest of the world. And what Paul is describing here in Romans is how he wishes above all things, even above his own salvation, that he wishes that Israel would be saved. Because they are, a, they are they were a blessed people. Look at all of the advantages that it was to being a Jew. And yet they missed it. But how does that affect me? Well, if we keep reading, Paul continues to explain how you and I as Gentiles belong to the family of promise. And this is how we make a connection to Genesis chapter 21, verse number six of chapter nine of Romans 9:6, not as though the Word of God had taken an effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And so uh, uh, Isaac was not simply chosen because he was the son of Abraham. Remember, there was another son. In fact, later on, Abraham had another son with another wife, Keturah, after uh, after uh, uh, Sarah had died. But the promise came through Isaac. So what Paul is trying to teach to these people here during this time is that just because you are directly descended from Abraham, that doesn't make you God's people. He says, they're not all Israel who are Israel because the promise was through Isaac. But how does that affect me? Well, because, because since Isaac was not simply chosen because he was the son of Abraham, but because he was the son of the promise, being a part of God's family is not limited to those directly and biologically descended from Abraham. That's a good thing. That's, that's because I don't directly descend from Abraham. My, my, my blood... Uh, it is not traced back to Abraham. We're not Jews, right? I don't think anybody here is a Jew. We don't directly descend from Abraham. But we share in the promise because it was by faith, not by birth. We read in, in chapter tw- uh, chapters 9 still, but verse 25, Paul quotes. Uh, he says, as he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people. That's us. And her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. This is how it makes, it includes me. This is how it includes the Gentiles who believe because we are not in Abraham by birth, but we are in him by faith. This passage teaches that not all who are born of Abraham belong to God's family. In other words, there is no free pass for simply being a Jew. Uh, no one is automatically in with God by birthright, but at the same time, the opposite is true. No one is automatically out with God by birthright. No one is automatically excluded because, well, you weren't born to the right family. We read. I want to go back to Ephesians eleven, and this will be the last place that that I, that I ask you to turn if you are turning with me. Hebrews, uh, Ephesians uh, two. We were already reading a little bit about the salvation uh, aspect of it, but we we continue reading through chapter 2 and we get to verse 11. And he talks about the relationship between Jews and Gentiles in Christ. He says in verse number 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. He's talking about Gentiles versus Jews. Verse 12, That at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, And without God in the world, basically saying, you didn't get born into the right family. And so for a time, you were without God. And you were without the promise. And you were without the covenant. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You were far away, but you were brought close. Verse 14, uh, He is our peace. Uh, let me skip down to verse number 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. You're not an outsider anymore. But fellow citizens with the saints and in the household of God. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of faith. Because of the grace that God showed me through Christ. So what do I do with all this? I, this, is, this is where I fit into Genesis 21 and this is why Genesis 21 is in the Bible for me to read, but what do I do with this now? As I understand, I think most of us understand the, 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 the promises, and we understand grace, and we understand faith. Just a very simple action this morning. The miraculous birth of Isaac is symbolic of our birth in Christ. It's representative of our salvation. Just as Isaac was born only by the grace and the power of God, we are born again by the grace and power of God. Think about Sarah as she stared into the face of her new miracle baby. She thought of how none of this would have happened had not God stepped in and did a miracle. This morning, this week, sometime, let us do the same. We don't have a baby to hold, but we reflect on the people and the events that led us to Christ. The supernatural way that God brought us to Him. None of us were born saved. You might have been born into this church. You might have been born a Baptist. But you weren't born saved. There was a point. There was a, a point when you were not a child of God. And there's a point when you are a child of God. None of us just happened to become one of these things accidentally by birthright. Reflect on the people and the events that led you to Christ. Remember the sin that caused your need for a Savior. Remember the grace and the mercy that God showed to you because you were a sinner. Rejoice in the marvelous wonder of salvation. Rejoice in your new birth in Christ. Sarah says, God made me laugh. This is so amazing. This is an event that that is to be celebrated and our salvation is the same way. It's to be celebrated. It's to be remembered. It's to be. It's not a. It's not necessarily a tearful event. It's a joyful event. It, it, it's a. It's a celebration. It's a. It's a wonderful thing. Rejoicing in God's promises that He's made to me. We can read all through the Scriptures, and we find promises that God read. And you know, just as faithful as God was in keeping His promise of salvation to me, God is faithful in every other promise as He reads. That's a good thing and a bad thing. God promises me good things. And if he's promising them to me, I can know they're going to happen. The other side is true that God says, for instance, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We, we usually use that negatively, and it's true. Hey, if you do bad things, God's going to get you. For whom the Lord loved and it. it's a promise. He's, gonna, he's not going to let us get away with stuff if we're his. But the other side is true as well. God said these good things would happen if I would follow. trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's a promise from God. I can take it to the bank. I can count on it. It's true. Each and every time, God comes through just as He said He did. And just as it it is fitting that we pause on this moment of fulfillment in Isaac's birth. Take some time this week and pause in your new birth. Think about what really happened to me at salvation? Go through those events. Go through the, the the events that God brought you through and God brought you out of. And then the people that God brought into your life maybe at just the right time to say something and plant a seed of truth in your heart. Or maybe, maybe the, the time where someone showed you the, the the Scriptures for the first time and showed you how Jesus... Uh, loves you and and died for you and 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 you can have new life in Christ if you put your faith in him and 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 trust in him and go through those moments uh, maybe you can remember a place where you sat and you read it for the first time and you realized the promises were true maybe as we begin to reflect and try to remember if you say i don't i don't know I, I, can't, really, I can't really tell you about it, it, could, be reasonable. it could be a reason why could be a could be a, a reason that maybe maybe it hadn't happened. Maybe there's a maybe there's a a benefit not only for the saved people to reflect back on that testimony, but for those of us who kind of thought, well, you know, you know who is dangerous for? for those of us who grew up in church all of our lives. We've heard all the stories, and we know all the verses, and we've been to more church services than we can count, and we just kind of grow up knowing it here. We kind of just know the facts. We have the, we're have we really good at Bible trivia. But it doesn't actually click. It doesn't actually come together where we realize, it's talking about me. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Without Him, I'm nothing. Without Him, hell is my destination. Without Him, a life apart from God is all that I've got coming to me. And yet, I can have that too. I can have that just like the, the guy who got uh, was drunk in the streets one day and then now all of a sudden he's, he's taking the offering in church. He's a, he's a Sunday school teacher or whatever it may be. The guy with the, with the horrible past. You know, many of us don't have that kind of past. Many of us have a past of the greatest sin we did as a kid was uh, stealing cookies out of the church nursery. And it wasn't Sunday because I did that. You know, not sharing toys in the church nursery. Far back as you can remember, you've been coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Awanas on Tuesday nights and prayer meetings and youth groups and all these things. And you can think, oh, I've been doing all these things. But those aren't the things that save us, are they? Those aren't the things that really count for salvation. What really counts? Reflect on those things. And thank God for those things. Because God's not impressed with the t- amount of time I go to church. He's not impressed with the n- number of verses I memorized for wanna. He's not impressed with the number of times I got baptized because I didn't understand what I was doing. All of these things that happen in people's lives, we think, oh, these are the things that that makes me a Christian. And and in fact, it's not. Go back in that time and remember what God did for you. Go back to the time on Calvary and remember before I was even born, He was paying for my sin. Thank you. Rejoice. Don't, Don't just do it once. Do it regularly. Think about is every time that Sarah would have looked at her son Isaac, he's playing, he's growing up, and remembering, you're the miracle baby. I didn't even think you could have you were possible. Now you're 15, now you're 20, now you're 30. However old he was, and she remembers you brought a lot of joy into my life. Because God did this. Has God brought a lot of joy into your life? Through salvation, through the work of the Spirit in your life. He's there, He will. Would you pray with me?